And let's be honest. This isn't church as usual. Y'all should know this by now. I don't do anything. We don't serve a usual God. We do not serve a usual God. I, I'm going to start this off by saying the Lord is so kind to, um, to Whitney. He loves Whitney so much and he loves my parents so much that apparently they've been praying for like three months that the Lord would allow me to at least shave my beard. And so when I was traveling this week, it was on Thursday. Thursday? No, it was uh, Wednesday night. I got to Dallas and Holy Spirit said, go ahead and shave your beard. I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> because it was getting, y'all, because, like, you have the mask and my beard, you couldn't tell because it was curly, but my beard, when I cut it, it was four and a half inches. It was four and a half inches long, but you couldn't tell because it was, it, I have curly, I have curly hair. Like, I, I tried to straighten my hair this morning because that's a whole, I'm like, Lord, why can't you tell me to shave my head? I've been so happy. Jesus. I said, my beard. So, uh, I was able to shave my beard. Praise God. So I said, I, I guess uh, he thinks that the vanity of my beard is dead. So I can, it's the first time I've seen my face. And wouldn't you know it, I actually lost some weight <laughs> around my face. So anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, we do things uh, contrary to popular belief. We also do things um, that current systems and churches would say is unethical. Now, what do I mean by that? There are, so there's this thing called the ethical decision making. It's a triangle. On the very bottom, you have your morals. Your morals are on the bottom. That's the foundation of this pyramid. In the middle, you have values. Okay? And at the very top, you have ethics. And this pyramid of moral values and ethics, or actually it's, it's flip-flop, ethics are at the very bottom. Um, th this pyramid is how you make certain decisions. So your ethical decision-making is based on your locale, like where you're located in the world, how you were raised. I mean, um, so we live on Fort Brown. Jack lives on the other side of Fort Brown. But because we live on other sides of the street, the way that my daughters are raised are different than the way that Jack is raised because there's even a subculture within each individual's house. Everybody tracking? So based off of that, if I was presented with a certain situation or scenario, or the girls were presented with a certain situation or scenario, they will respond or re react according to their ethical pyramid. And so will Jack. He'll do it based off of his ethical pyramid. I said all that to say, the church has created this ethical pyramid that is actually unethical to the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you, I will. The church has created this ethical pyramid for, for making ethical decisions that is actually contrary to the kingdom of God. If Jesus was here today, he would get arrested for spitting in someone's eye during a pandemic. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So the church has done this thing that we, the Western church, they've done this thing to where we have to, you know, we have to do, a, you know, a slideshow, you know, a welcome banner with a, with a countdown. And then we do three really quick, you know, a Holy Ghost hopscotch with, with worship. And then we just shut it down. No, that's it. And then it's time to give. God loves a cheerful giver. We have 50 ways for you to give. You can give blood. You can give urine. You can give... Uh, your, your thumbnail, we got Push Pay, we got Apple Pay, we got Android Pay, we got Alipay, we've got um, Venmo, Cash App, Tithely. Um, if you just want to give us your routing number and your checking account, and we can set it up to where it's direct deposit, all this other stuff. We sometimes take check and cash, but you know, we prefer not. 
Because other churches, when they get cash, they don't put it on their books. Entering unethical. So a lot of churches, when they get undisclosed cash, they don't put it on their books. They keep it. And use it into whatever. Why? Why? Why am I going through this? I don't know. I have no idea. The Lord wants someone to hear this. So the church has become extremely contrary. And then after worship or after tithe and all of that, then you get a five-point sermon or a good, you know, a good sermon that will lift your spirit. It encourages you. Um, it sometimes will bring conviction. But how many of you know, again, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says that, and when they heard this, they being the crowd that had gathered, around the synagogue when the Holy Spirit came. Yes, they were in the synagogue. They were not in the upper room. The upper room is chapter 1, the synagogue, and Pentecost is chapter 2. Read your Bible. You'll be blown away. So uh, they said, what, what do we have to do, brothers, then? What do we got to do? Because it says that they were wrought with pain in their heart, that they were pierced through to the heart. That word is only found one time, which means to be convicted. In essence, it means to be convicted. So we have a lot of churches and ministries that don't really give words that convict people. Why? I'll tell you why. They don't allow Holy Spirit in. We are not the convictors of man. Holy Spirit is. So we're going to go through something with I guess so. That's probably what happened. So, I'm going to go through some scriptures because Holy Spirit needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, Holy Spirit needs to be acknowledged right here, right now. Because what we're trying to do, what, not what we're trying, what we are doing is before everybody else got here today, and there's going to be people that come in that think that they're going to walk in. Watch, at 1020, people are going to be walking in, and we're going to be knee-deep in the Word, and they're going to be like, I thought there was worship. What happened? The atmosphere, repeat this after me, the atmosphere of heaven destroys my internal, environment. my internal environment. I'm going to say that one more time. The atmosphere, the atmosphere of heaven, of heaven destroys, destroys my internal environment. My internal environment. That's an invite only, y'all. The atmosphere of heaven can only come into your heart if you allow it. You have to partner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Are you living your life in a manner that are you creating an atmosphere of heaven in your life for Abba to live in your heart, for Yeshua to live in your heart, for Holy Spirit to come and reside in your heart? Are you, li are you living your life in a manner that builds an atmosphere for a Holy Ghost tornado? Hello? I got to boast on the Lord a little bit. Because we're going to talk about atmospheres, we're going to talk about environments, and then I'm going to explain to you different scriptures that you may have seen. Well, uh, uh, how many of you have read the Bible through at least once? Then all those that have read the Bible through at least once have read every single scripture that I'm about to read. How many of you have read the New Testament through at least once? Just, just the New Testament. All of these scriptures are New Testament. So you've read through this then, but you've never given a second look. It's one thing to read through the Bible or read through scriptures for the sake of saying, I read through the Bible in one year. Or I read through this and blah, 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 blah. Whatever that may be, that's fine. But if you read the scriptures void of revelation of Jesus Christ being revealed to you, then you've got a problem. You need Holy Spirit to reveal a, a, a God-inspired document to you in a living manner. Okay, so I'm going to talk real quick about the difference between atmosphere and the difference between an environment. 
This week, I was able, I, told, I stood before y'all last Sunday and said, tomorrow I'm leaving to go to Arizona to go lay hands on my mother, right? That she has uh, had, but then I was saying has. She has stage three cancer. I'm going home to surprise her, to lay hands on her, and just to minister to bless her. I got there on Monday afternoon, um, got her some flowers, complete, man, I should have recorded her reaction. It was awesome. It was awesome. She was extremely happy, and I wanted to go and do the business. I was ready to do the deed. I'm like, yep, you're going to sit your tail in that chair, Ma, and I'm going to pray the fire of God and, and destroy this cancer and everything. I was, I was ready to bat. I was ready to do it. And uh, Holy Spirit said no. He said don't lay hands on her. Love on her. Minister to her. Cook for her. Don't lay hands. Love that. So I did just that. Just loved on her. Asked her if she needed anything. How many of y'all saw my dinner Tuesday night? That prime rib. Come on. It was so it was so good. I mean, I've perfected the prime rib. Thinking about opening up a food truck just for prime ribs. <laughs> Be the most expensive food truck ever. Like, Baby, we're going out on a date. Where, where are we going? We're going to Jimmy's prime rib food truck. Anyways. So I'm, I'm like inquiring. Well, well, that morning, Tuesday morning, I woke up. And my mom was already up at like 5.30 praying. She is uh, probably the, the, the most powerful intercessor that I've ever met. Um, no matter what, no matter where, she's, she's up. She, she has several times a day that she just sets apart and it's for the Lord and she prays. Um, and this is even growing up when she had a full-time job and everything, she still did it. So she was praying. I got up and I spent some time in prayer and I'm reading my word. And I said, how'd you sleep? Because I knew that she was going to sleep good because I was there. Did you guys catch what I just said? I knew that she was going to sleep good because I was there. And she said, I, li I literally slept the best that I've slept in six months and I have no pain in my body. No pain. So she didn't have to take her pain medicine the night before. I believe Holy Spirit told her, don't worry about taking your pain medicine. So she didn't take it. She slept all the way through the night. No tossing, no turning. No pain. Got up easily from the bed. And I said, do you know why? And she said, yes, because you're here. And I said, it's because I'm my own atmosphere. And then she rebuked me and she said, no, Jesus is the atmosphere. And I said, exactly. The Jesus in me, I carry with me. Jesus is my atmosphere. And it was evident yesterday on the plane ride, when did I get back? Friday. On the, on the flights from Dallas to Philly and then from Philly to Burlington, it was evident that the atmosphere in me was destroying the environments and those around me. Started cussing, started jerking. This happens when Todd and I go on, on trips together. It happens every single time without fail. Either we get to minister to someone or the atmosphere in us is destroying the environment in them. But there's a difference between an atmosphere and an environment. If I go to, again, we're going to use my house and the Ferris's house as an example. Same street. My house is its own environment. That's one environment. Their house is another environment, right? But rarely is it going to snow on my side of the road and then not on theirs. Right? Why? Because the atmosphere is the ruling. The atmosphere rules. So right now, these clouds are being stubborn, even though 
I decreed and declared sunshine, they need to move in Jesus' name. The atmosphere outside is cloudy, right? But is it cloudy in here? No, the environment in here is pretty clear. The atmosphere of the kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, it's dual, not just the physical earth, but the physical earth, the earthen vessel. So we have an obligation as the people of God every day to ask Holy Spirit to infill us and to decree and declare the kingdom of God in our hearts every day. We have to be the atmosphere of heaven no matter where we go. And it does cost you. But it's a worthy cost. Because the atmosphere that I carry will destroy the environment that you allow yourself to perpetually be in. A lot of you live in your head and not in your heart. I said what I said. A lot of you live in your head and not in your heart. The kingdom of God is in your heart. It's not in your head. But if you keep your mind on Christ, the word of God says that you will be what? Kept in perfect peace, in perfect covenant. That doesn't mean you're not going to have a barrage of bad thoughts. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get upset. And it also doesn't mean that you're not going to be hurt. What it means is that when the extrinsic environment around you tries to penetrate the intrinsic atmosphere of Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God, it is of ill value. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Why? This is the same reason why Paul, being in prison, was able to still author all that he did of the New Testament. Because while his environment was prison, his atmosphere was heaven. This is why. This is why if concentration camps ever made a, a, you know, a comeback, and became fashionable and popular again. I'm saying it to you right now. They can imprison my body. But they will never have my spirit or, or my soul. I, I am the atmosphere of heaven. You are the atmosphere of heaven. Atmosphere defined. This is what it is. Atmosphere defined as the air of a locality or surrounding influence. A unit of pressure equal to the pressure of the air at sea level or approximately 14.7 pounds per square inch or 101,325 pascals. So let's go to Isaiah 14 verse 7 real quick. Let's see, because remember it's 14.7 pounds per square inch regarding an atmosphere, right? So let's go to Isaiah 14 and 7. Just real quick. We, we won't be here long. But finally, the earth is at rest and quiet. Now it can sing again. Does that blow anybody's mind in here other than mine? That an atmosphere, the surrounding pressure per square inch is 14.7. The pressure outside creates this Isaiah 14.7 inside. But finally, the earth is at rest. What's another word for rest? Thank you. And quiet. Now it can sing again. How many of you have found yourself, because of the pressure outside, you've not been able to worship freely like you used to? The Word of God says otherwise. The Word of God says that with that pressure on the outside, it should be actually creating the atmosphere in you so much so that you have peace. It's all about how you view things. 
It really is. But how you view things can only be authored through what Holy Spirit is allowed to be in your life. So I'm going to read some more scriptures. Come on in. We do things different here. So John chapter 20, verse 22 through 23 says, Then he, being Jesus, breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, It says, Receive Holy Spirit. Hello. Does anybody know when this was? This was post Martyrdom. This was post Jesus. Where are y'all at? Y'all are like, y'all asleep. John 20, verses 22 through 23. We're about to do Simon Says in a second. Oh, so you guys are alive. Praise his high name. It says, then Jesus breathed on them. I'll give you a little backdrop of this scripture. Jesus rose from the dead. He's already revealed himself to Mary and to the other women. Said, go tell my brothers I'm back, like I said I was. They didn't believe. Then Peter and John came. And they saw that he wasn't there. Peter was a little distraught. John believed immediately. Then the Lord reveals himself to Peter. And in this house with the other disciples, not just the 11, but there were many other disciples. And so Jesus says, what's up, y'all? I'm back. They had the doors locked because they were afraid that the religious rulers were going to kill them, too. And they were they, they were <laughs> how many of you are obedient because of fear of man? Not one hand, y'all are liars. We're about to have a, a altar call for liars right now. You mean it that their obedience to stay behind closed doors wasn't because Jesus said, "Stay behind closed, stay within." He said, "Stay within Jerusalem." He didn't say, "Stay behind closed doors." He said, "Stay within Jerusalem." That's what he said. And what did they do? They locked themselves in. Because they were scared of being killed. And so Jesus appears and says, blessings to you, peace be unto you, whatever it was he said. He said, what's up, unbelievers, yo heathens? That's what he said. That's my Jesus, so I get to say what he said. I'm kidding. So he says that, and they are, they're scared, excited, and everything in between at the same time. They don't know what to do. Because, oh, my good Lord Jesus Christ, you really did what you said you were going to do. That's some of y'all right now. God is answering some of y'all's prayers that you've been praying for decades. And guess what? You don't know what to do. You are frozen in fear because the very thing that you've been fervently praying for and when you were praying for it, we're believing, has now come to pass and you have doubt. So you're doubting a little bit now. And now you're acting like the coward Gideon. Let me just put one fleece out. I see this is you, Jesus, but I, I don't know. Is this really you? Could, you? could you imagine? Could you imagine what Jesus was saying? Like, they, they don't really record everything because this was some bicentennial later when all these uh, letters were written. So you think they remembered word for word what Jesus said? I wish they had a tape recorder because I, I would really want to know what Jesus said to them. You disgusting, doubtful, perverse generation. Y'all had me. I did what I said I was going to do. I'm back. And now you want to stand in front. Of, I just teleported. I transported into your apartment. And you still don't believe? You know what? Why don't you just touch my hands? Look, touch, touch my scars. Touch my sides. See, see, see that it's there. You still don't believe? Get me some of that fish, that, that broiled red snapper and the, and the, the bread. Give me that. 
And it says that he ate to show them that he was alive. So he shows up in there. First of all, they get, they get the account from the women. Oh, Lord, there's a flood. There's a great flood coming. Send help, Lord, send help. The newscast comes to the church. Pastor, you got to get going. There's a flood coming. No, 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 the Lord's going to help me. A monster truck comes up. Hey, bro, you got to get going. A flood's coming. The pastor says, no, 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 the Lord's going to help me. The flood starts coming. They send a boat because he's, he's almost to the roof of the, of the church now, the pastor. Hey, pastor, get on. The flood, it's, it's going to sweep you away. Oh, no, 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 the Lord's going to help me. Now he's on the very, very, he's at the steeple holding on. A helicopter comes. Pastor, get in the helicopter. No, the Lord is going to help me. He drowns, gets to heaven. Why did you let me die? This is what happened to the disciples. They couldn't believe a woman, a misogynist. Couldn't believe a woman. Well, you know, Mary, she was a strumpet. So she was a little floozy. You know, she used to run them corners. She had seven demons. I don't believe her. She didn't see Jesus. Then Peter sees it. Yeah, but Peter, you denied him. Then Jesus shows up. And they still don't believe him. They're like, what in tarnation is going on? If I was Jesus, I'd have been like, y'all, peace out. Whatever. I would have rebuked them a fiery rebuke. But that's why I'm not Jesus. So he says, give me some of that fish. I'm hungry. Give me some of that bread. He ate it. And it says, and they then marveled and believed. Then it goes to, here we are, full circle. Why I said all of that, giving you some backdrop to John 20, 22, and 23. It says, then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive Holy Spirit. Authority was given right then. He breathed on them, his breath. He breathed resurrection power on them, y'all. And we look, how many of you missed that in scripture before? I didn't see that. They received authority and Holy Spirit right then and there when Jesus breathed on them. Isn't that powerful? But there's a caveat to receiving Holy Spirit. He said, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I'll take this a step further. Many of you don't have the power of Holy Spirit manifest in your life in the manner that you do because you refuse to forgive. Jesus said right there, we have the legitimate power to forgive. It's not that we're forgiving people of their sin for them to get to heaven. We are forgiving them of missing the mark against us. That's and, and if you don't forgive them, they won't be forgiven. But Matthew 16 tells me that if I harbor unforgiveness towards my brothers and sisters in Christ, that the Lord himself will deliver me over to the tormentors. That's what the word says. I didn't say it. Yet how many of us today are void of Holy Spirit power, but full of demonic torment because God allowed it because you have unforgiveness in your heart. So there's one verse. John 20, 24 through 29 reads, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, let me see, is this the one? Yeah. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my finger in them and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger there and look at my hands. Put your hand here in my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. 
My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Are you ready for this? He said, but blessed are those. You know, blessed is this word blessed is only found in Matthew chapter 5. What's Matthew or is it Matthew 5? The Beatitudes, Matthew 5, right? Or 6? 5, that's what I thought. That's, that's the same blessed, which means high benevolent blessing of God. The highest measure of blessing. Jesus says, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. How many of you believed and have not seen Jesus yet? Everybody should raise your hand. You believed before you saw Jesus, which means you have a higher blessing than this doubting Thomas. But yet some of you have taken the anointing of Thomas and you doubt even today. You doubt that God can heal such and such and such and so or yourself. You have so much unforgiveness in your heart that you don't want someone to be saved. You want them to be damned to hell. I said what I said, you heathens. You want people to receive the greatest torture of humanity, which is to go to hell. Hell is not the second death. Read your Bible. The lake of fire is. Hell is eternal torment. And then you wonder why you're living torment on, on earth or hell on earth. Because you have unforgiveness in your heart. You lack the power of Holy Spirit because you unbelieve. You don't believe that God not only died for me, but he also died for the one that hurts you. So we got a bunch of doubting Thomases, and the Lord desires there to be faith-filled Timothys in this season. No time for Thomases. We need Timothys. Okay? Let's see what other scriptures that we're going to walk through. Because it all points back to who? Who are we pointing back to? Jesus and the need for the gift that he gave us, which is Holy Spirit. Repeat after me. Jesus was not the promised gift. Jesus died to send the promised gift. Holy Spirit is the promised gift. Jimmy, that's blasphemy. John 14, 15, and 16. Go read it on your own. There's your receipt. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16 is your receipt. And Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 42. Go read it on your own. The ingathering of the apostles. We're going to get there anyways, but. John 21, 25. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Of all the things that are read in Scripture about what Jesus did. See, y'all read Scripture wrong. I look in the Old Testament to see what Jesus did. And I saw him on Mount Sinai feeding Moses and the 70 disciples as he was standing on sapphire. And he made a meal for them. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. You need to read the scripture differently. And isn't it interesting that he did that with the 70 elders of Israel. But then you jump to John chapter 12, I believe. And you see Jesus feeding, or not feeding. He did feed several thousands. But then he breathed on 70 disciples. Not just men. One of those men that he breathed on was Agabus. Agabus, a Gentile man. Agabus. Say Agabus. Agabus is a, a beetle. Translates to a beetle. He's a turd. Agabus, when you read scripture, it wasn't Dorcas, Hebert's. It wasn't Dorcas. It was Agabus. I was talking to you in sleepy, so I, I messed that up. Agabus, and I've said this before. If you can show me in the New Testament where prophecy came before Holy Spirit was sent, I'll give you a billion dollars. I'm talking outside of Jesus. Jesus. 
the first time you see prophecy, and I'm not talking about word of wisdom or word of knowledge. I'm talking about the gift of prophecy that is predictive is Acts chapter 11. Agabus prophesied a famine that happened in 40 AD. It says, and, and, and this is also the first time in the scriptures in the New Testament where prophets are mentioned. It says, and many prophets gathered, of which Agabus was one, and he prophesied a famine. Okay, I don't know why I got off on all that. Someone needed to hear that. Amen. So Jesus, oh, the miracles, that's what it was. So Jesus did all these miracles. I read the Bible a little differently. I look in the Old Testament to see the miracles he did there because he doesn't live in time restraints. So why are you? How many of you set goals for yourself that you ultimately destroy yourself with? Unrealistic expectations. Come on. What did Paul admonish us to say? Don't say that I will go here and there this next year and I will go do, do this and that. Rather say... I don't care if it's gloomy outside. But if the Lord wills, if the Lord is willing, if the Lord is willing, what's your timeline, the Lord willing? That's my timeline, the Lord willing. Jimmy, when are you going to do my deliverance? Soon, the Lord willing. Jimmy, when you go on vacation? Soon, the Lord willing. A lot of you have these time restraints that you put on yourself and then you project them on others and then get upset because not only do you not meet your, your little time hack that you made, but you get upset when others won't reach your unrealistic expectation. And then you put on them what you refuse to deal with internally. So if, the, if there was enough books in the whole entire world they wouldn't be able to fill all of them with what all Jesus did. But then we go to Acts chapter 1. I love this. In the first book, I told you, Theophilus, Theophilus means beloved of God. So we are Theophilus. Hello. We are Theophilus. In my first book, I told you, beloved of God, about everything Jesus began to what? Do and teach. Holy Spirit teaches you so that you can do, and out of your doing, you will then be able to teach. We've got it backwards. Oh, no, no, no. The scripture says that Jesus taught, and then he did. Yes, he did teach, and yes, he did do. But if you read the first of the Synoptic Gospels, which is the book of Mark, the first thing Jesus did, he didn't go preach. He went to the synagogue to pray. And a demon manifested. Screamed out, ah! Son of the Most High God, what business do you have with me? Have you come to torment me before my time? Jesus said, shut your mouth, be cast out. The demon came out immediately with a scream. I won't scream again. I had to wake some people up. I see you sleeping. So it comes out with a scream. What did Jesus do? Did he preach to the, to the demon? Did he begin to get the scrolls and teach people about demonology? He did. And it said that the whole entire town was so blown away that they began to bring to him all their sick, all their lame, all the deaf, all the mute, all those that were vexed with evil spirits to be healed, delivered, and set free. Not once does it say that he preached. He did first. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 starts out. 
We're going somewhere. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about Jesus and about him doing, he started to begin to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through Holy Spirit. Here we go, verse 3 through 5. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. These brothers still could not believe that he was alive. How many, I'm going to tell you, every time you doubt that God does not speak anymore, every time you doubt that God does not heal anymore or could heal you, every time you grow weary in well-doing and decide to faint, Guess what you do? I'll let you guess if you want me to say it. What are, what are, what are miracles for? What are miracles for? Someone, please. For the unbelievers, not for the... Okay, listen. listen. There's unbelievers in this house right now, but you gave your life to the Lord. Hello. It's to bring forth. First of all, it's just the goodness of God. That's, that's the first thing. He does what he does when he wants to because he's God. But miracles happen and manifest to rout out unbelief, to make faith arise. The Lord wants to make some believers out of us today, all right? So here's what else he did. Verse 4, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Write that receipt down. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Holy Spirit is the gift. Hello. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with Holy Spirit, which is full immersion. Hello. Yes, water baptism, absolutely, but again, that's the baptism of John. The baptism of Holy Spirit is full immersion in the character and the power of Jesus Christ. It is the bloodshed of Calvary. It's what brings forth boldness, that when you're just walking down the street, minding your P's and Q's, but you started your day off saying, Holy Spirit, have your way, and he says, go prophesy to that person, and you look, and it's, your, it's the bully from third grade, and they've had a rough life, and Holy Spirit says, go give them the love of the Lord, go minister to them. And you do it because you know what? You're empowered. That's what you're empowered to do, to be obedient. So you go and do it. And then you come to find out. You get a relationship with this individual. Now because you decided to be obedient. You know that day that, you know, you just came and gave me a hug and talked to me? I was going to commit suicide that day. You changed the trajectory of their life forever. Why? Because of the goodness of God. We have Holy Spirit for the goodness of God's sake. That's why. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Acts 2, 33. Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of the highest honor. And the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. This is Peter talking to the crowd. And then again, Acts chapter 2. Where is it at? 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts. 
And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. This promise is to you individually, to your children, and to those far off. This is for your generations. This is for your legacy. I received Holy Spirit. The girls received Holy Spirit. And because now they have Holy Spirit, my grandbabies that are yet to be born and brought forth will receive Holy Spirit. Why? Because that is an inheritance of Abba Father to us. It is a holy inheritance. Who would not want this? How do you destroy bloodline deviances? You absolve them by the power of Holy Spirit. If I receive, they receive, and my children's children receive. Amen. I don't want to keep struggling with these things. I definitely don't want them to struggle with these things. And I sure don't want my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren or my generations thereafter to struggle with the things that my forefathers struggled with. But I decided to say the buck stops here. I could not do that without Holy Spirit. He is the only reason why we live, move, and have our being. That's what the word says. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. But some of you don't want Holy Spirit in his fullness. You want Holy Spirit to sound charismatically holy. You want Holy Spirit to do circus tricks. To be seen and sought out. Because you're a holy intercessor. And, and the way that they speak tongues, it just sounds like it's straight from heaven. Well, duh. I don't care if your tongue sounds like bada, 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 bada. If it's from God, then let it be done so. Well, what if it's a demonic tongue? Okay. Are you a witch or a warlock? Witches and warlocks speak in tongues too, but they get it the same way that we get it. They open themselves to the demonic to receive that demonic tongue. The Lord gives good gifts. He would not give you a rock instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of a fish, a rock instead of a loaf of bread. He is going to give good gifts. If you as a parent give your children good gifts, how much more will the father of life give you gifts? Well, it just sounds weird. I don't care. Get over yourself. We have work to do. And that, hello, I said we have work to do what is does anybody know off the top of their head the definition for energy the ability to do what's holy spirit the ability to do We don't gather here just to worship God. We're at a point where if someone walked in right now and had cancer, cancer, Charlena, I'd be like, hey, go pray for her. And you'd be like, I got this. And you'd be able to lay hands on her and cancer be destroyed. You want that, right? Well, you have it. You have Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Aaliyah, you have Holy Spirit, right? You don't have to get up. You have Holy Spirit, right? So if I have you, come here. Come here. Come with me. Come here. I want you to pray for this young lady right here, this one, her. I want you right now, I want you to pray healing in her body right now. And it's very simple. Just take her hand, take her right hand, her right hand, her right hand. There you go. And all I want you to do, look at me. All I want you to do is say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call forth healing virtue in your body. In Jesus' name. And keep now, I want you just to stay there and continue to pray in the spirit. Go ahead. You know how to pray in the spirit. Go ahead, sweetheart. 
Don't be scared because it's not, it has nothing to do with you. You're being obedient. It has nothing to do with you, sweetheart. But when you leave here today, you're going to say, the Lord used me to heal. So go ahead, sweetheart. Just go ahead and pray in the spirit. Don't be scared. Don't be shy. Nobody's watching you. Everybody's focusing on me. So this is what we're meant to do. We are not called to sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing for the kingdom of God. This is not why we have Holy Spirit. We have Holy Spirit to do and to teach. But a lot of us want to teach first and do nothing. You know what I call that? I call that higher education. You got a bunch of theorists that are teaching things at SUNY Plattsburgh with no practical application or use case for today. I don't want that philosophy. I want the philanthropy of Jesus Christ in my life. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 38. If you go there, let's go there. Because that's what I want. We need to get over our philosophical selves. Hello? So let me go there real quick. Acts 10. Y'all, if you don't have an iPad Pro, you need to get you one. I'm not kidding. This is so cool. So John is talking to this jailer, this centurion. He's, he's, he's a Gentile, okay? He's a centurion. He's high in the guard, a captain, I believe. And he's a believer. And this is the account where, you know, he has a, Peter has this open vision of a drape coming down from heaven, and then it gets unveiled, and there's all types of reptiles and creepy crawlers and cows and pigs and everything else. And the Lord says to him, Peter, kill, eat. And he said, uh, no, nothing unclean has ever touched my mouth. But, bruh, let me tell you, Peter was a cursor. He used to cuss people out. He, he had a concealed carry uh, sword on him all the time. And he would cuss people out. But here he is talking about nothing dirty ever touched his lips. His words came out of that mouth. So he said, nothing uh, unclean has ever touched my lips. And the Lord says, call nothing that I have made unclean. Kill, eat. So he did. And then he gets this, this, uh, this messenger from this Greek captain of, of the, the army to come and see him and bless him or whatever. So he goes, and Peter doesn't know what's going on, but he, he just felt a release in his spirit, obviously, to do it, because Holy Spirit said, go do it. Holy Spirit brings forth obedience. Amen. So he goes, and then um, once he gets there, he says uh, a few different things, but then to verse 37, he says, uh, you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism? Here it is. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With himself and godliness. The Son of God needed Holy Spirit. Why do you think you don't? Man, this is a Presbyterian church today. What? Oh, Anglicans? What's going on? What gets people? Man, I bet this was a sugar shack. Y'all be, oh, let me get some of that maple syrup. Oh, let me get this. Let me get, y'all be loud. If we were at Claren Carl's right now, y'all be going through the roof, wouldn't you? Ronnie's. How, how many of y'all eating at Ronnie's? I've never eaten at Ronnie's. Is it better? Yo, the controversy is real. McSweeney's and Claren Carl's are like, I love McSweeney's. But Claren Carl's has the best burgers. I will say that. And they know how to make it medium rare, how I love it. Amen. If you eat meat well done, you're living in the old covenant. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Because his blood, the blood of the lamb, still runs red today. Amen. And y'all just want to eat well done burnt offerings. The Lord rebuke you. It's disgusting. It's an abomination. It's one of the, the abominations of the Lord. He says, don't eat. Don't eat prime rib. Well done. It's dry. It's disgusting. 
hey, medium rare is good for your soul. Makes you feel alive. No, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. Holy Spirit's authority, right? Exousia, authority. What else is exousia? It is government. The right to judge righteously. And power, dunamis. The doing, anointing. Dunamis. So if Jesus had it, let's read on. He says, then Jesus. Jesus didn't do a lick of nothing without Holy Spirit. He didn't even go into the 40-day and 40-night temptation in the wilderness without Holy Spirit driving him into the wilderness. Hello. Is anybody getting this? So then, it says, Jesus went around teaching good. No, it says he went around doing good. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by devils. For God was with him. How was God with him? Holy Spirit. How many of you wanted to be said of you that God walks with me? Oh, come on. How many of you desire for Holy Spirit to legitimately and literally walk with you? Come on, let me see a show of hands. Guess what? He is. It takes this thing called acknowledgement. Whitney's at home with, with Maddie right now. That's good. Praise God. So, how many of you know that I'm married to Whitney Canales? Raise your hand. Everybody should raise your hand. Okay, great. She's the best woman in the universe, and nobody can tell me otherwise. She absolutely is. What do I wear that acknowledges the authority and the power of that matrimony? My covenant. This is Holy Spirit. Hello, 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 hello. Come on. Some of y'all, y'all hate your spouse. And you wonder why. It's because you, you, can't, you can't even be married to Holy Spirit. You think, you think that I have the marriage that I have based on my own merit? You think that we are where we are today based on our own merit? We needed that covenant-keeping anointing. Hello. I said we needed that covenant. I feel the presence of God. We needed that covenant-keeping anointing. That, that covenant that says it doesn't matter what you go through. We're going to go through it together. It doesn't matter where you go. As long as you go together, we can go to the gates of hell together and still tear it up. Why? Because we have that covenant-keeping anointing. We've got, I feel the power of God. Some of y'all are a bunch of strumpets and prostitutes before the Lord because you give yourself away to everybody's sayings. You give your ear to every little tickling, and then you wonder why you find yourself in a ditch buried up, in, up to your eyeballs with a bunch of shame, torment, pain, unforgiveness, and doubt because you lack the covenant-keeping anointing. That's what Holy Spirit is. So when Holy Spirit is with you, it, I forget that I have it on. Does that stop me from acknowledging? No. Notice I said, you want to know why I don't know that I have it on? I can't feel it. Y'all care too much about feelings sometimes. And you're so full of yourself. And what everybody else is projecting into your ear, and you allow that to get into your mind and into your heart, then it comes out of your mouth, and you start cursing yourself with the curses that other people have projected onto you. And so you can't feel Holy Spirit because you feel too much what you're going through. It's not about a feeling, baby. Sometimes you just got to know. I have the covenant-keeping anointing. I have Holy Spirit. I mean, sometimes I don't feel him. But the moment that I acknowledge that I'm wearing him, without hesitation, without reservation, without a delay, I feel him immediately. I feel him immediately. Why? Acknowledging. 
Some of you want to be acknowledged so much that you refuse to be acknowledged by the one that is chasing you all day. He is ch- Hello, hello, hey, 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 hello. I'm right here. Hello, I'm right here, I'm right here. Can you see me? I'm right here. Hey, hey, I'm right here. And y'all just acting like you're in a cube, in a box, in a prison. I'll tell you this. We've got a few COs in here. There are many people that are not living in prison anymore but are still in jail in their mind. You don't have to stay in the jail cell anymore. You can walk out freely. Today, the Lord wants you to walk out freely of the jail within your mind. There is a lot of uh, restlessness. I even sense in the spirit right now, there are a few of you that are just like, you're done. Lord, I love you, but I'm just tired. I'm done. I submit to you, you haven't even started. How dare you say that you're done? If you haven't done the things that Jesus did, and even greater, that's what the word says, these things shall you do and even greater because I've gone to the right hand of the Father. If you haven't done that, then you are not done. Well, I haven't taught, you know, anything. I haven't led a Bible study before. I have yet to find a Bible study being one of the things that he empowered us for. He says, in my name, they will cast out devils. He says, in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, they will tread upon snakes and scorpions. And if they drink any poison, it will not harm them. Living in Okinawa, Japan, I've never told anybody this. Whitney and I went to this restaurant we loved very, very much. It's called Butter Yaki. And it's a whole fish that they fry in panko chips, deep fried in panko chips, but then they put it in like a... Soy sauce, awamori, which is, um, what do you call it, sake, and rice vinegar that they put in the oil. I mean, it's out of this world good. And then they bring it on a lava plate that's sizzling with garlic and butter. Well, we went there, and the Wherever we go, Whitney ends up looking like the people of the region that we lived in. So Whitney could have passed for an Okinawan when we lived there. She would have passed for, for I don't know what they called it, like basically a half breed. That's what they call them. I don't remember the name for it. Um, But she she could have passed for being half Okinawan. The young man that was working there saw me a Marine, with what he presumed to be an Okinawan woman. And he burned with jealousy. And he poisoned my food. And I felt that I was about to die. I'm not, this is not a joke. I'm not kidding. My eyes started rolling back. Whitney immediately prayed for me. What's wrong? And I said, I think he poisoned me. That young man wasn't there the rest of the night. But the Lord healed me right there. He tried upon snakes and scorpions. And if you drink anything that's like poison, it shall not harm you. This was 2000 and... Oh, man. Eight. 2008. I'm able to stand here today because of that promise then. And because my covenant with my wife was likened to my covenant with the Lord. And I grabbed a hold of his promise then. And Whitney didn't go to try to find her Bible to do a Bible study for me in the restaurant. 
She did what the Word of God promises we can do in Jesus' name. We have that same power. You do not have a novice God. We do not fight a novice enemy. But our almighty and all-powerful God is greater in you than he that's in the world. Stand to your feet. So why then do we not want Holy Spirit's power and authority in our life fully? Why? This is, this is a time for us to really take into consideration um, the training aspects of what God has called us to do. Because uh, the Word of God does say that he wants us to be skilled. Uh, what a teacher. So the teacher anointing is being restored in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about uh, scholastics. That's not what the Greek word for teaching means. It means masterful instructor and trainer. That skillfully instructs and trains. If you've never gone through instruction, instructor-led training, everything is encompassed around doing. It's encompassed around doing. So who in here needs healing in your body right now? 